Jeremiah, hi there. Good. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. We're in Jeremiah 20 this morning. Jeremiah 20. All right. Jeremiah 20. We'll uh, back up a few verses in Jeremiah 19, and then we'll go. We'll go from there. The 14th verse of 19th chapter of Jeremiah. Then Jeremiah came to Topheth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy. And he stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I'm about to bring on this city and all its towns the entire calamity that I've been declaring against it because they have stiffened their necks so as not to heed my words. Chapter 20, verse 1. When Pasher the priest, the son of Emer, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, Pasher had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in stocks that were at the upper Benjamin gate, which was by the house of the Lord. On the next day, when Pasher released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, Pasher is not your name. The Lord has called you terror on every side. You might not have that. You might have a Another word in there or two. But that's, uh, that's what it means. Terror on every side. So this chief police officer, so to speak, at the temple, um, when he heard Jeremiah pro- proclaiming against the city, he put him in stocks. But before he put him in stocks, he beat him. And so the next day, when Pasher let him go, he says, your name will be called terror on every side. One of the commentaries that I read from this week says that it's kind of like Judas Iscariot. Nobody names their children Judas, and nobody names them Pasher for the same reason. Verse 4, for thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm going to make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. And while your eyes look on, they will fall by the sword of their enemies. So I will give over all Judea to the hand of the king of Babylon. And he will carry them away as exile to Babylon and will slay them with the sword And I will also give over all the wealth of this city, all its produce and all its costly things, even all the treasures of the kings of Judah. I will give over to the land of their enemies, and they will plunder them and take them away and bring them to Babylon. And you, Pasher, will all live in your house 
excuse me, and all who live in your house will go into captivity and you will enter Babylon and there you will die, there you will be buried, you and your friends to whom you have falsely prophesied. Jeremiah says that that the terror that's going to come will come in the by the sword, by pestilence, by famine. So he's telling um, uh, Pasher what he's going to get. It'll be by the sword, but it'll be in in Babylon. So we have this little interlude there of the first time that that Jeremiah is physically uh, abused and we'll see more of that as we go through the book um, but this is the first time he has now we change 20 in 1969 through 1992 23 years um, if you were in my house you turned in on Saturday night to watch Hee Haw. And one of the segments on Hee Haw was it was every every episode had this segment Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me Deep Dark Depression Excessive Misery If it weren't for bad luck I'd have no luck at all Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Well, in this particular case, we've always said that you can tell the Lord all your problems, and he's big enough to take it. Well, Jeremiah has had enough, and he's going he's gonna to complain to the Lord here and the rest of the chapter. Uh, you can follow in your text if you want to I'm going to read it from Eugene Peterson's uh, uh, paraphrase uh, the message and uh, and we'll, we'll see and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute you push me into this God and I'll let you do it you were too much for me and now I'm a public joke they all poke fun at me, and every time I open my mouth, I'm shouting murder or rape or something else. And all I get for my God warnings are insults and contempt. But if I say forget it, no more messages from God from me. The words are fire in my belly, a burning in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold on to it. I can't do it any longer. I hear whispering behind my back. There goes danger everywhere. Shut him up. Report him. Old friends watch, hoping I'll fall flat on my face. One misstep, we'll have him. We'll get rid of him for good. So, Jeremiah's complaining you know he's on the very first chapter of Jeremiah we understand that God chose him for a reason from his birth 
to give the message. And he was faithful to give it, but like all of us, we like to be liked. <laughs> we don't like people to talk behind our back or tell us to shut up or reporting. And he's explaining this to the Lord. I, I, don't, I don't like this. But in verse 11, he understands where God is. But God, a most fierce warrior, is at my side. Those who are after me will be sent sprawling. Slapstick buffoons falling all over themselves. A spectacle of humiliation no one will ever forget. O oh God of the angel armies, no one fools you. You see through everyone and everything. I want to see you pay them back for what they've done. I rest my case with you. Sing to God all praises to God. So Jeremiah, after telling the Lord that he, you know, he's upset with him for what he's put him through, and yet he knows that God is at his side, and he, he knows God has got his back, but he also wants them to pay him back for what they've done. That's pretty human nature, isn't it? It hadn't changed, you know. Then we wind up the end of the chapter. He's, uh, he's having some more pity parvy. Curse the day I was born. The day that my mother bore me. A curse on it, I say. And curse the man who delivered the news to my father. You've got a new baby boy. How happy it made him. Let that birth notice be blacked out, deleted from the records. And the man who brought it is haunted to his death. With bad news he brought, he should have killed me before I was born with that womb as a tomb. My mother pregnant for the rest of his life with a baby dead in her womb. Oh, why did I ever leave the womb? Life's been nothing but trouble and tears. And what's coming is more of the same. So after Pasher beat him, put him in stocks, he had this party of himself being, being fitful. And yet, Scripture says that that he couldn't hold it in, that he, he had to preach. Verse 9 says, I will not remember him or speak any more of his name, but when my heart is become like a burning fire shut up in my bones, I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. He knows where he is, and he knows what the Lord's trying to do, and yet he doesn't want to do it, yet he has to do it because it's firing his bones. 
and yet he's weary of holding it in. So he's complaining to the Lord. And the Lord can, can handle our complaints. Have you ever been in such a situation that you just said, why me? Why me, Lord, you know? Uh, Chris Christopherson wrote a song. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done? And we, 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 we get in despair. And yet, it was short-lived because Jeremiah understands, as we should, that he's controlling of everything. He's the author of everything. Well, that takes us to chapter 21. And at this point, the message Jeremiah's preaching is changed as of the beginning of this chapter. Up these first 20 chapters, he's been talking about Judah as a whole and warning them that, that because of their rebellion, because of their insolence, because of all the things that has gone on before them, um, he's going to bring calamity. They've watched the ten tribes to the north go into captivity, and now these two little tribes to the south, Judah and Benjamin, are headed the same way. So, so we're leaving that particular focus, and now he's going to focus on some groups. And the first one he's chosen to do is kings. Now, in chapter 3, we talked about that Jeremiah called out the kings, the priests, and the prophets. And so that's going to be his, his first uh, two is going to be the kings, and then next week we'll probably get to the prophets that he's going to say, you know, um, you've got to shed a lot of problems with this state because of what you are. Now, hold your finger there and turn back to chapter 1 and we're going to look at uh, just a little thing in chapter 1. <clears throat> when Jeremiah is introducing the book, he tells us, uh, verse 2, the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, king of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign, also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Joash, and the king of Judah, and the end of the 11th year reign of Zedekiah, son of Joash. So he mentions three kings here. Uh, when I did this chart for you in the introduction, we, we had uh, Josiah uh, reigned for 31 years, and he was a very good king. He was the last of the good kings, and there weren't many, but he was the last of the good kings. Then jo Jehoahaz, he reigned for three months. He's not listed in that first, first group that that. Jeremiah said in chapter verse, chapter 1, verse 2. 
and then Jehoiachin reigned for three months. But um, Jehoiakim reigned for 11 months, and Zedekiah reigned for 11 months, and that after Zedekiah's reign, they went into captivity. Now, we told you in our introduction that part of the problems with Jeremiah is that, that they bounce back and forth between, between the kings. It's not a chronological thing like Ezekiel or like some of the other prophets that we've... Well, I, Isaiah was pretty much in, in sequence, but, but in this particular case... He's batting back and forth. So when we pick up in chapter 21, now the very first verse, he's talking about Zedekiah, who was the last king. Uh, but we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then we're going to come right on, on back um, and see where we are. Um, but we, all of the, all jo, Joahaz, uh, Joachim, Joachim and Zedekiah were all sons of jo Joash, uh, Josiah. Uh, so that sometimes is a little confusing because when we've been reading in Kings, it says so-and-so died and his son so-and-so took his place. And he reigned and his son took his place. Well, in this particular case, um, Josiah and his four sons were after him, and uh, so we'll that'll it'll mean more as we get through it. But it's a little confusing if you if you're uh, trying to follow this. Verse twenty one, chapter twenty one. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah uh, <clears throat> from the Lord to King Zedekiah to pasture the son of Malchishua. Now, that's not the same pasture that we had in chapter 20. Uh, he was the son of Emer. Um, <laughs> one of the discussions at our house sometime is when did last names come to be? I don't know. But I suppose we kind of we do that now. We say that here, this pasture, the son of Malkachua, okay, uh, I'm Bill, the son of Alton, whose my name is Morris, so maybe uh, that's how <clears throat> my last name came to be. But anyway, I, that's a rabbit trap. Uh, <clears throat> verse 2. Please inquire of the Lord on our behalf, for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is warring against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all to his wonderful acts so that the enemy will withdraw from us. Okay. So Zedekiah is going to, to Jeremiah. Verse 2 says, Inquire of the Lord on our behalf for Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon is warring against us. I mean, he's actively being there fighting and trying to overflow throw them is just a matter of time but he says perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful acts so that the enemy will withdraw from us <clears throat> Jeremiah's been preaching here 
for 31 plus 11 plus part of 11. He says, you need to get right with God because uh, war's coming. And now, Zedekiah, the last king, it says, would you intercede for us? Somebody says it's kind of like shutting the gate after the cave's out. I mean, it's been going on for years. And now, would you pray for us? Verse 3. Then Jeremiah says to them, You shall say to Zedekiah as follows. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Behold. I'm about to turn back the weapons of war which are in your hand, which you are warring against the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans who are besieging you outside the wall. And I will gather them into the center of the city. I myself will war against you out without stretch hand and a mighty arm even in anger and wrath and great indignation I will also strike down the inhabitants of the city both man and beast they will die of great pestilence At, then afterward declares the Lord I will give over Zedekiah king of Judah and his servants and his people even those who survive this city from the pestilence the sword, the famine, into the land of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of their foe, and into the hand of those who seek their lives, and he will strike them down with the edge of the sword, and he will not spare them or have pity or compassion. Now, the Lord in his in his own time in his own will used an army from a long way off Assyria had taken Israel into captivity but Assyria is vanished from the scene and now Babylon is the biggest threat there is Babylon up by the Tigris and Euphrates River uh, I'll say a little bit about that in a minute. They're coming. God had them for purpose. Their purpose was to whip Judah. And God just said right here, he says, not only are they coming, but I'm going to help them. I'm going to help them take this city because of their disobedience to me through the years now Babylon was a one time show you can't find Babylon today Babylon today is in modern day Iraq and it's a desert you can't find any remnants when we went through Isaiah we had several chapters that Isaiah said, this is what I'm going to do to Babylon because of what they did to Israel. And yet God used them to whip Israel to get them back 
to where he wanted them to be. Does the Lord use the devil sometime to bring about other things? I'm afraid so. Does he use other means to get our attention? Just like Zedekiah, he's, he's known that this was coming for years. And, hey, could you come do a prayer for us and see what, by, what is his, he says here, um, perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to his wonderful acts. And Jeremiah says, not on your life. And God says, I'm going to help them do what they're going to do. Now, as we go on, he gives us the first hint of something that's going to happen. In verse 9, You shall also say, say to the people, Thus says the Lord, Before I, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who dwells in this city will die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But, but, what have we said about that little conjunction? Every time we hear it in Scripture, we're turning direction. So he says, but, he who goes out and falls away to the Chaldeans... Who, have bes who are besieging, you will live, and he will have his own life as booty. Later on, we'll see Jeremiah spells this out really, really good. He says, if you'll just go on to Babylon, I'll take care of you. You go to Babylon, you raise gardens, you raise family, you live there, I'll be there with you 70 years. You can come back. You can come back. But if you stay in the city and fight or you go down to Egypt, you're a dead man. Bill's paraphrase. But that's, that's what he's saying. He says, I give you life or death. Verse 10. For I have set my face against this city for harm and not for good, declares the Lord. And he will be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will burn it with fire. And then they say to the household of the king of Judah, Hear the word of the Lord, house of David. He says, Administer justice every morning. It's amazing that he keeps coming back, and he says, if you'll do this, you know, I might reconsider, and this is what you need to do, but it's too late. It's really too late. But he says, administer justice every morning to deliver the person who has been robbed from the power of the oppressor, that my wrath may go forth like a fire and burn with none to extinguish it because of the evils of their deeds. Behold, I'm against you, O valley dweller, O rocky plain, declares the Lord. You men who say, who will come down against us? 
and who will enter into our habitations. But I will punish you according to the results of your deeds, declares the Lord. And I will kindle a fire in its forest that it may devour all its environs. Is there hope? Not really. But the thing you need to do is to administer to justice. Chapter 22. Thus says the Lord, Go down to the house of the king of Judah, and there speak this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on David's throne. You and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. Also do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, to the orphan, or to the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. This is the, the thing that from the very beginning and especially when they became a nation it says what you need to do administer justice take care of the widow take care of the orphan orphan look out for those that are that are in trouble and it's the same thing that he's saying here the same thing he said for years in this case verse 4 chapter 22 for if you men will indeed perform this thing, then kings will enter the gates of this house, sitting in David's place on his throne, riding in the chariots and on the horses, even the king himself and his servants and his people. But if you will not obey these words... I swear to myself, declares the Lord, that this house will become a desolation. For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, You are like Gilgal to me, like the summit of Lebanon. Yet most assuredly I will make you like a wilderness, like cities which are not inhabited. For I will set apart destroyers against you each with his weapon and they will cut down your choicest cedars and throw them on the fire many nations will pass by the city and they will say to one another why has the Lord done this to this great city and when they answer because they forsook the covenant of the Lord their God and bowed down to other gods and served them. Do not weep for the dead or the warm for them, but weep continually for the one who goes away, for he will never return nor see his native land. We said in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 
God says, have no other gods before me. Make no idol of anything in the earth, above the earth, under the sea, in the sea. And he says, I'm a jealous God, and I want your undivided attention, and I want you to obey me. That's the same thing he told Saul when he came back from that battle with the Amalekites when God told him to destroy everything. And Samuel said, what's that, what's that noise I hear, the sheep? And he said, well, I saved them for sacrifice. And to obey is better than sacrifice. That's all the Lord wants us to do today is obeying, simply obeying. That's all we wanted our children to do when we were bringing them up. Just obey us. You know, we've been there before. We'll, we'll, we'll protect you, and yet we'll give you freedom. But obey us. Just simply obey us. And that's the same thing through history. Same thing to us today. We, we don't have the, we have the Ten Commandments, but they were not written to us, but they are for us. And yet, yet, what he want us to do is just listen to his voice and obey. It's just that simple. We're going to go on next week and talk about, we're going to pick up in verse 11, because we got to, I got to tell you about this, <laughs> this guy who's a new name, you know, they'll, it's, I don't know if, if you live in Greenville, South Carolina, you can go along this road and it'll be one name and then you get to that stoplight and it changes a, a name and then you go to the next stoplight and it changes another name. Well, it's kind of like that in Scripture sometimes. These guys have got different names and uh, if you're like me, try to keep it to straight. You, you, you've got to understand where it is. But we'll get to that next week and we'll see about it. But the Lord can take, take our complaints. He, he, he loves us and he understands us and he knows where we are. And, and when you're like Jeremiah and you just can't take it anymore, tell him how you feel. Tell him how you feel. And yet always realize that he has your back. He loves you like no other. And it's going to be okay as long as you know him and love him and put him first and obedient to what you know he has for you to do. Questions? Comments? Bill? Looking back at the history uh, and comparing with kings, part of the prophecy has already been fulfilled. They've watched Israel go in. And you mentioned that several times. Babylon's already defeated them, and that's why one or two of his brothers are already over in Babylon, yeah, uh, captive, and they're still begging for mercy yeah. and expecting that God would somehow deliver yeah. them. And it's easy for us to criticize, I guess, but I, I suspect. Yeah. You know, we've been blessed because of how 
Protestant who was founded in the favor of some of our founders and, and the followers of God who came here to worship freely, but we take it for granted. Okay, let's uh, remember one another as we leave this place and, and uh, pray for one another and, because we, we're all hurting. We're all hurting people. Uh, let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you for who you are and we thank you for this time to set together that we can open your book and we thank you that a long time ago you told Jeremiah to write it, and he did. We can hold it in our hands. Fathers, we go into further service. We ask that you'd be with us. Bless us. Be with every prayer prayed, every song sung, everything. Lord, and we just thank you for it all. Bless us now, and we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.